Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just invite you here to to be in our midst. Lord, we're here to seek your face. We're here to spend time with you, looking in your word. Lord, learning how to be more effective in our evangelism, more effective in presenting the gospel to those around us. Father, I just pray that you would come and meet with each of us, Lord, that you would vivify our mortal bodies, that you would awaken us once again to your loving kindness to the mercy and the grace found in the gospel message. Lord, that we, we would meet with you, Jesus. Come. Come and inhabit the praises of your people. Come in the midst of your children. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to look, to, look in your word together, Lord, that we have the freedom to do so, and we don't take it for granted. We cling to the opportunities we have to gather with other believers, to learn together, and to grow in you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, this week we're looking at the gospel presentation. And so, um, so often it's really important that we don't present part of the gospel when we're giving it to people. You know, sometimes, especially if you have a gift of mercy, you just kind of want to pet the person, make them feel better. But the reality of it is, is we need to be able to see the gospel in full, understand where our world is coming from, understand where the person that we're ministering to is coming from, and present the full gospel. And so there's several elements that um, Dr. Kennedy points out in his book that are key pieces that need to be included, and oftentimes they're excluded when we're sharing the gospel. And so a couple of those things is uh, man cannot save himself. Um, and the reality of it is, and we'll look at it as we go um, on in the, in the lesson, but man really thinks that they can save themselves today. And we need to make sure that it's clear, biblically understood, that man cannot save himself. Um, and then this one's really important. The, the, especially this generation, the view of who God is is absolutely thwarted. And um, God is holy and just, and he must punish sin. And um, we're going to talk about it as we go, but we really need to understand mo- most people, many will um, believe in a God especially today. They're very, very sure to let you know they believe in a God, but we're talking about the God, and he's a merciful God, but he's also a just God, and sin must be punished. Christ is God. If you ask people who Jesus is, what are they going to say? Oh, he's a great teacher. He did a lot of good stuff. No, no, my Jesus is God. His death on the cross was for our sins. He offers heaven as a gift, and we need to understand the meaning of grace and the meaning of faith and be able to give that to others. You can come on in. Um, downstairs, straight down through here. <laughs> so 
let's take a look first at grace. Now, what, what's a couple of common things, like when you hear grace or when people start talking about grace, what are some common definitions that people will tell you? They don't have to be right, just common definitions that we hear on grace. She says grace before she eats. She said a lot of different um, teachings on free grace, the thing that we were talking about this morning. Anything else? All right, well, let's look. Who wants to read Romans 11.6? Oh, look, Michaela does. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So God has revealed himself as the help of the helpless. As long as a person thinks he must contribute to his own efforts to the work of God, he does not understand his true condition or the work of Christ. He does not realize that sin has incapacitated him so that he can do, cannot do anything meritorious in God's sight. It is by grace that we come to him. If by grace it no longer works, hi. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace, meaning we cannot earn anything. God comes to help the helpless. I love, and that's why I put this quote, that sin has incapacitated us. When we get a revelation of our own filth, and when we get a revelation of Christ's holiness and our own filth, we realize there is no good in us. And if there is no good in us, there's nothing that I can do to earn my salvation. So God has come to help the helpless. He has come to give me even a heart to desire after him. He's come to give me the, the desire and the will to seek him, to know him. And so grace is free. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is God coming to help the helpless. Jen's going to get y'all some notes real quick. Um, so heaven is a free gift. Who wants to read Romans 6.23? Do. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Heaven is not earned or deserved. So here in the book, Dr. Kennedy talks again about asking people, what do you think we have to do? What is the highest thing that we could attain to earn heaven? What are the marks? What are the works that man must do to get to earn heaven? And the reality of it is the more that we ask people the questions, the easier it's going to be for us to witness, the easier it is going to be for us to display the gospel, because then what? We can expose the lies that they believe. And once they start exposing those lies, we just, we're able to come back in Scripture um, that heaven, there is nothing that we can do to deserve heaven. You know, like we talked about this morning, heaven is a place of holiness. Unless you're absolutely pure and undefiled in the sight of God, you can't enter in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is a free gift that no man can attain to. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved. There's that grace. God came to help the helpless. I'm helpless. By grace I've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is what? The gift of God. 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. Heaven cannot be earned. That's the most beautiful thing about all of it, is that nobody gets there on their own merit. It's by the blood and by faith in him alone. It's a free gift. Has anybody heard some, any weird reasons lately why people think that they can enter into heaven? My daughter goes to a Unitarian church, so every twice a year I go to Houston and I endure because she already knows where Grandpa and I stand. She knows that. So, yeah, I get everything from a Unitarian, uh, just everything. You can only imagine if you've not been um, in, read their doctrine. Uh, they have a couple of people, Louise May, it's a book, I've read the whole book, and she uses scripture, and <clears throat> we were created in God's image, and so if you don't know scripture well, she'll say, so therefore we are not sin, we are in God's image, we're holy, we're, we're okay, you know, so it's, that's what we get, and uh, she says, well, mom, and the other thing I get is heaven is in your mind, and it's the life you create around you is heaven or hell, whatever you want to create. That's what I get. Scary. Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody else heard any weird definitions lately? No. You know, when you hear stuff like that, all the more it's so important to get this doctrine in our bellies, to get the scripture, and to be able to come back and, and be able to talk and know, know. You can't, you can't substitute one scripture for another. They are going to work together. And for it's by grace we've been saved. It's the gift of God. We also need to be able to point out, which the Unitarian doctrine obviously is an error, that man is a sinner, period. Period. We've shared this scripture a lot. Does anybody want to shout it out? Romans 3.23. For all have sins and fall short of the glory of God. And what Dr. Kennedy talks about in our book is that most people will say, sure, I'm a sinner, but you know what? I'm not bad. And I get that all the time, y'all. I get people telling me, yeah, I was a sinner, but not like you or anything. I'm like, oh, just because I broadcast mine out there that I used to be a drug dealer means that I was a worse sinner than you? Sweetheart. Let me tell you, I get that I'm the worst of the worst, but you right there with me. And, and really, that's what we need to be able to do is, is people will justify, well, I'm not that bad. You know, I, I never did any of that stuff. Well, guess what? Sin is sin. We've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so it's, it's, we've got to get a, that picture of Christ and his holiness, right, of our depravity without him. And that it is only by grace through faith that we get to enter in. That heaven is a free gift, not by works, not anything that I could do by being less holy or more holy. I've, just, I've got to have Christ and Christ alone. And so we've got to be able to go there with the sin question. And so I actually like this example. I've never read it anywhere else. And Dr. Kennedy said, okay, so you're a good person. So what? What does that mean? You have one, two small sins a day? 
right? Oh, so that's not that bad, right? But sit is sit. So I'm not, I'm not going against it. This is just to, in, in evangelizing and talking to people. One of the ways we can expose the filth of the sin. So if someone only sins two times a day for 365 days, and they're a Christian for 25 years, that's 18,250 little sins. I don't know about you, but that scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> that makes me nervous. So man is sinful in our nature. All have sinned and fallen short. And whether you've got the big, ugly sin that scares people, or you have the little white lies, or the attitude, or whatever, it's big before God. Man cannot save himself. Someone want to read Matthew 5, 48? Doom, doom, doom. I don't have it. <laughs> Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father is in heaven is perfect. And so, really, man can't save ourselves. You know, we talked this morning about we, we want to spend time with God so that the, the nature of God can, can be imparted into us. But we'll never be the infinite God that he is. It, it is absolutely impossible. And so for, for someone to say that, that we can be perfect and we can earn our own way, no, that it's impossible. It's impossible to put on perfection when we were born into a fallen, a fallen people. Man cannot save himself. And we talked about that a little bit last week of saying again, once again, so how good do you think you have to be to get to the kingdom of God? And then once they start giving all the, the excuses and the reasons of, of things that I can do, then you start talking about the holiness of heaven and the two don't add up. And so it's, it's one of those things that we want to make sure we explain um, as we're witnessing and sharing God. Um, does anyone have anything that they've heard recently on this or questions? When you cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We strive for his holiness. We strive to, like this morning, for 2 Corinthians 3.18, that as we behold him, we're what? We're transformed from glory to glory. And so we're, we're to take on more and more of the nature of God and become more and more like him. But to be able to walk in that perfect place ourselves won't happen until the day that we cross over and we're in heaven. Because then what? No more sickness, no more sin, no more disease, no more that, that can't exist in his presence. So that at that point in time, we will actually put on... That would be nice. So, I type Lester's notes for your class on Monday night. So I was typing all this stuff by Bonky, you know. And, and, and so we can't, we're not holy. Christ is holy and stands in front of us before God. Is that what I'm reading when I, okay. So we're not holy yet. We will be when we cross over to glory's side, but we are holy in God's eyes because Christ is in front of us. Right, like God can't see us in our sin, but as we put on Christ, and Bunky's an evangelist, so he's not going to walk as fine of a line because he's going he's gonna to shock you and not have to walk it through. 
afterwards. Not, and he's not like doctrinally crazy off or anything. He's not. Um, but his explanations are going to be, he's not going to sit down with a group year after year, week after week, month after month, and have to explain, explain. So let me, does that make any sense? And Because I, I wanted to say that in last week's class with Lester and them. Some question came up, and I, I meant to say it. But so, right, so God sees us. When he sees us, he sees the blood. And until, until we have that blood, he can't see us. Does that make any sense? So because of Christ, because of Christ, what a Christ is imputed to us, I take on that, and therefore I am holy by faith in Christ. But that walk of holy perfection is carried out on the other side. But I am made holy today by Christ, but, it, but because, I'm, because I'm putting on Christ. Mm-hmm. find it very hard to hold on to sin when I've sinned. I've got to do something about it. And so I think that's the, that's the, uh, that's the breastplate of righteousness. Something's calling us to account. The Holy Spirit. You know, the, the, our forefathers of the faith would talk about true Christians and true religion and true salvation. And their whole argument with what we're talking about without using the names, because this is recorded, and I'm not here to start a doctrinal debate in this community, um, is that once we have an awakening, once we're born again, there must be a change. There, there will be an immediate change in our nature, and that nature, that change in nature will continue out. That, that it's, it's impossible for us to be awakened and then go to sleep. Now... For me, all I know is that I can't help but pursue him because when I wake up and see myself, it scares me. So I don't want to walk and live a life as close to the other side as I can to find that out. Does that make, I, I, want, to work, I want to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling all my days. And do I feel like I lose it because I get all mad in traffic or I wake up grumpy? No. But I'm, I'm not walking or living in a habitual sin. I don't think it's turned on and off that quickly. Does that help? We're getting into some, some deep, mushy stuff. Let's see where we go from here. <laughs> well, while he was talking about that, I was thinking how Paul says in the scriptures how he dies daily. He has to, you know, crucify the flesh daily because sin is always going to be there wanting to take control of our flesh and use us for the things of this world and take control of our body. So we need to crucify the flesh daily, you know, get that out of our system, hand it over to God on a daily basis. I know if I don't read my word, I don't have time in prayer, then I know I'm going to be tempted beyond what I can bear. But if I hand it over to Christ, then I know I can walk out the 
walk that God wants me to walk out. Amen. That's him come and help the helpless. The grace of God. Holler, holler it out, brother. Holler it out. You can preach that. I'm going to use that in a message one day. All right, let's take a look at God. <laughs> you know, when we're, when we're sharing, someone, um, sharing with someone about our faith and we talk about God, it's important that we know him. And I know I preach this on Wednesdays. I preach this on Sunday. I preach this in my Bible studies. I talk about this in Bible college. But here we are with the Sunday night serious people. Please know God. You know, we can't just talk about this faraway being and expect people to fall in love with him or trust him. And so it's important that we have intimacy. It's important that we begin to study his nature and character. If we don't know him as our provider, if we don't know him as the banner of love, if we don't know him as holy, if we don't know him as the great I am, how is somebody else supposed to? We can only take people where we've been. And so it's really important that we know this God. And so especially today, people's um, viewpoint, if you, we were talking about this right as we opened, if you were to ask someone, do you believe in God, they'll say, I believe in a God. I believe in, yeah, I believe in God. You know, there was years ago when I did um, <clears throat> world religions, and I had to study all these different religions, and, um, and I, I like to study, and if you know me, I like to probe and I had to do these interviews and write these papers on it. And so I was interviewing this Mormon girl that worked for me at the time. And she was so tickled pink because she was for sure I was going to get converted. And, um, and I kept, you know, questioning and questioning. And when I tell you the manifestations and the presence of God came, I felt so bad for her. But because she, the conviction came, she even had like whelps started breaking out on her face. I mean, it was... It was wild and sweating profusely. She had, we were on lunch break. She had to go buy new clothes because she sweated through her clothes. And, you know, it was crazy. And she kept saying, I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. It's never sounded so crazy before, but it's true. And I'm like, no, sweetheart, it's not true. But that's for another day, you know, as I was her boss and we were in the store. But, um, but the thing that, that was important was they believed in God. They believed in Jesus. They believed in heaven. They believe in the scriptures. But when I said, tell me who your Jesus is, tell me who this God is, they'll use all the same words as you and I, but it's two different people because it's not my God. It's not the God of the Bible. It's not Yahweh. It's not Adonai. That's not the God that I know. And so make sure that as you're talking to people about it, that you ask the questions, well, who is, who, what God do you believe in? Tell me about your God. Well, let me tell you about my God, the God of the Bible, because there is a difference. Our God is merciful. You know, especially today, everybody thinks God is just this big, he's either all love and no justice, just all love, or he's this big man in the cloud with a big hammer willing to, ready to whack us. 
But no, our God is merciful, therefore he doesn't want to punish us. Our God is just, and therefore he must punish sin. And you and I as believers need to know both parts of him. So let's take a look at that he is merciful and does not want to punish us. Who wants to read 1 John 4, 8? He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. You know, if you've never read commentaries, I would say go read a commentary on this one. Uh, and just get, get an aspect and a glimpse of what love truly is. Because our view of love is so bonkers compared to the very nature. God himself is love. All right, Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord has approved, or I'm sorry, appeared of old to me saying, yes, I loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, loving kindness, I have drawn you. I love this scripture. It's precious. I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know, when we begin to share that God has loved you before time ever began, he's with his loving kindness, he's drawn you to himself. It's his love that's brought you and I to this place today for us to share and even begin to talk about him. God is a God full of love, and he chases us down. But what about my path? What about all those things that happened? Where was God? He loved you so much that he brought you down the path to come here today that you could hear his news, that you could hear how much he loves you. But like we talked about this morning, he is a God of love, but that love doesn't nullify the fact that justice must be served. He is a God of love, and he's a God that's holy, and no evil thing can be in his sight. And so let's take a look at that. Exodus 34, 7. Somebody over here want to read? He by no means clearing the guilty. He by no means clearing the guilty. And Ezekiel 18.4. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the, son of, my, of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Doesn't get any clearer than that. Jewel Dean, Habakkuk 1.13. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil. His eyes cannot behold evil. And Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You know, all too often, we talked about it a little bit this morning, but all too often we've propagated sin. We've, we've made it okay in the world. And as a church, we, as the body of Christ, as children of God who are delivered and set free from sin, we need to understand the, the penalty of sin. Does that make any sense? Like we don't just get all happy because now we're in the kingdom and we're good to go. You know, all the more we understand that that, that, that old life completely and absolutely separated us from God. And that the only way that we get to, to go to heaven, the only way that we get to spend eternity with him is because the price was paid. It's not like modern day where we say, oh, it's okay, let me shove it under the carpet. Sin is sin, and the Bible's clear. The soul who sins will die. Will die. By no means does he clear the guilty. His pure eyes cannot behold evil. 
and the wages of sin is death. He is a God that's a God of love. He loves us with an everlasting love. But that love still demands justice. And justice will be served. Will you pay the price and spend eternity separated? Or what? Are we going to accept Jesus paying the price for us? You know, it's, um, the book talks about how when, when we accept Christ, it's that stamp. You know, the ladle coming down. What's the, what's the thing in the judge's court? The gavel. Boom! It comes down. Free. Justified. You know, and, and we're marked. We're stamped. We have the stamp, the seal of the Holy Ghost on our life. And that allows us in. Without that stamp, without that seal, we don't get in. <clears throat> All right, let's take a look at who Jesus is. Anybody have any questions or comments on that? Go ahead. Does anybody hear that? How is God in all places, all knowing, yet he can't look upon sin? Does anybody have a response before I go for it? That's an interesting way of looking at it. Anybody else? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to answer, but I'm... Say that louder. I'm sorry. I didn't hear. Yes. 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 Look at you preaching over there, Thelma. <laughs> Did you have something to add? You're so sweet. Functions. Mm -hmm. So 
God is all-knowing. He is everywhere at all times. There are greater degrees of his presence, um, as we see throughout Scripture. Um, but I love this. Psalm 139 says, O oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me off. In other words, the way I look at this one is that, you know, even Osama bin Laden, even, you know, the, the guy that just went and shoot, shot up a couple of days ago, God was still very right there and, and he, he knew what was going to happen and he was still there in the midst of it. That's why I can say, you know, I always say um, that in the darkest moments of my life when I was doing drugs and fighting for my life and hiding out, I remember those moments. And I can remember thinking, oh my God, this is where I'm at in life. And say, wow, the outstretched love of God, the arm of Christ, the length of his love came, wrapped himself around me and began to pull me and nudge me in. I wasn't out there all alone. The only reason why that mafia guy didn't kill me me is because God was right there with me, very aware of my sin, very aware of my depravity, but his love kept me from it. He was there. He wasn't a part of it. He wasn't partaking of it, but he was there. He kept me from it, from, from, from dying. Amen. Right, and you've caused me to want to, I'm going to go look up some stuff, but, but I think that they have it right in the sense that he, Christ, has become our propitiation for sin, and therefore we put him on, and he sees us. You know, but we talk all the time about if we're in worship, how can you be watching the stuff on the internet you're not supposed to watch, and how can you be doing the thing, why? Because he's there with us. And so, but then, and obviously when you're in the middle of it, he's not, hit the, the magnitude of his presence or the degree and the awareness of his presence is lessened, but he's still there. Anybody else?
Amen. Let's find the hand of God. Study that on your own a little bit. Honestly, I'm going to go look it up. And, you know, the reality of it is if you asked it, somebody around you is going to ask it. Usually, you're the, you know, everybody has the same question, but no one's wanting to ask the question. So, Yep. Yeah. Les, do you have anything to add to that, buddy? Right. Amen. 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 It takes a usable vessel. That's all that it takes is a usable vessel. And, you know, asking the right questions and being willing to talk the talk and, and see a little boy come to, to know Jesus. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Showing his stuff. Precious boy. Well, let's take a look at Jesus. You know, it's really important that, again, once again, I can't stress enough that we know who Jesus is for ourselves, that we have an intimate working knowledge of who he is. It's a person, not a story, it's a friend, not a stranger. 
not just a good teacher. He is the Son of God. Matthew 3.17 says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He was born of a virgin. He is the Son of God. God come to earth as man. There is no way around it. There's a lot of, of sex of religion today not saying that he was not born of God, that, that Mary was not a virgin, and by all means, she was. <laughs> he is God's son. John 14:10 says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else me for the sake of the works themselves. Christ is God. He's a second part of the Trinity. And we don't, we don't go anywhere but there. We, we understand his Godhead and and. Any Yes, he lived. Yes, he was a teacher. It's a fact. You can go look in the history books. But he did that as God. He is the God-man. We want to know what Christ did for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin, what? To be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin for you and I. We've already talked with the people about all have sinned, that even if it's a little sin, it adds up over time, that sin has to be paid for, that justice must be served. And so how is that served? Jesus came down, became man for you and I, and he became sin for us. He put on our sin at the cross. That's what Christ did for you and I. Love Lester's example. I don't know if all of you heard it, but he said, he told that little boy, he's, you know, he asked, has anybody ever been to court? Has anybody ever sat in front of a judge? You know, everybody's raising their hand. We're talking about at the detention center. And he, he asked, he said, has any of those judges ever had their son sitting next to him while you were in there? And while after you, we shared all of what you've done, how many of those judges ever looked at his son and said, I want to put his charges on you? And then looked at that boy and said, now what are you going to do about it? It's a great, great visual tool. A great tool. That's actually how I got born again. I remember reading the book. Uh, no wonder they call him Savior by Max Lucado. And I understood that he would be my judge. And I knew what I'd done. And I knew I couldn't look at him. I knew that I would have to give an account. And in one way or another, it was coming out all that I did. And so we want to make it clear as day that, yes, we've all sinned. Yes, God is a God of love, but he's a God of justice. That justice must be served, and that justice was served, and that God came to earth, became man, and as a man, he in his perfectness put on our sin that you and I might become righteous. Isn't that awesome? Not to be taken lightly. We've been so churchanized. Is that even a word? Churchanized. Growing up in Sunday school, all that, all that you know, we've heard it over and over. And it just kind of rolls off the tongue sometimes. But the preciousness of it. It's precious.
it's the day you and I cross over to the other side, we'll get just how precious it is. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of eternity. You have something to share, Bob? Amen. Amen. His spirit will bear witness with our spirit. That's right. Yeah. So the book shares several different visual illustrations, and I do like visuals. You know, everybody learns differently. Some people have to highlight. Some people have to hear it. Some people have to read it. Some people have to touch it. And so having visuals, you know, like uh, our examples, pictures, like Lester's example, will help people to see Christ putting on and taking our sin on us. So what are some visual examples that you've maybe used or ideas that you have in sharing um, what Christ did on the cross for us? Does anyone have any examples? Does that make sense, visuals? You have one? I use it next door with the girls, and uh, most of them uh, at, juvie, at Juven, Juvenile Detention Center uh, are in there for, for really some huge things, like one gal today. She is in there for prostitution, drug dealing, and possibly going to go up for armed robbery and maybe some other things that she didn't want to talk about. So I give them my example. And I tell them, I spent two weeks here, just like you, and I said I had a life where I was running from what everybody was trying to do for me, and I go right where they're at. I said, you know, I ran around with all the, and I don't want to do that here, and I, I just relate to where they are, and I tell the story of a little kid, that was me, running from my dad, and, or my mom, and constantly doing everything that they didn't like so I did what they didn't like and it brought me here and they just look at me because they're like I know I understand and this girl goes my parents are so and she just broke down she goes my parents are so nice to me and it just helped her and she broke down and she cried and she goes I don't want to hurt them anymore and so I I just do that visual of running from your mom who's trying to help you that's awesome it's little visuals run like running from your parents anybody else have a visual kind of just like the, um, taking the pumpkin out of the patch when it's all dirty I saw it somewhere um, read something about how God you know it's kind of more for little kids taking the pumpkin and he you know cleans it all the dirt off of it and cuts it open and gets all the goop out and 
I can't remember the whole thing, but you know, it's a just good illustration for kids. And well, good illustration for kids, but those kids illustrations are good for adults too. <laughs> so you heard, so you go to the pumpkin patch and you pick the pumpkin out and it's all dirty and nasty and you bring it home and you clean it up and then you cut it open and then you clean all the goop out. That's awesome. Anybody else? Say that again. And you cut a smiley face because you got the joy of the Lord. That's right, Bob. Any other examples? Did you have one? Tell them like tell them like it is. <laughs> Jenna, do you have any visuals? The way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then I've seen before the the picture of like the bridge of Jesus with his arms out, and he's like the bridge that you could use. That this is the only way to get to the Father is through Jesus. That's awesome. Love that. Love it. So read through the book. They've got different examples. One of the examples they said is to take two chairs. Did y'all read that chapter yet? So take two chairs and let them sit in it. You know, and, and, and basically that the chair is as real or more real. The, the chair represents the reality of Christ, and Christ is more real than the chair. And that we can, event, we can trust in our, own, in our own self, but eventually that self won't hold us. It won't hold up the weight. It won't hold up against the holiness of God and that we've got to literally be taken out of our chair and put into the life of Christ. So it was interesting. It wasn't this big, real deep thing. Um, also talked about a vase and having a vase and that we can, we can fill it with all kinds of pretty things. We can fill it with all kinds of good works, but that vase won't get us into heaven. Those good works and all the things that we fill it with won't get us to heaven, that it's choosing the free um, gift of salvation through Jesus. So anything to get visuals. I actually kind of like our visuals better. But, um, you know, and I'm not a very creative person, but a lot of times God will, in the, in the moment, God will come and, and give you a vision of something. He'll give you the opportunity. You know, Jesus, Paul, they both used um, things in the everyday life as they're ministering and they're walking and they're talking they would use the present situations and so be open to as you're sharing that God comes down and begins to give you drop creativity in you and begin to use the different situations the different things in the room to be able to share the love of Christ and really what Christ offered us as our propitiation for our sins so the last thing that we wanted to look at tonight is faith and if you noticed, um, Dr. Kennedy, he talks about what saving faith is not. You know, the message this morning, Jonathan Edwards um, talked a lot about what holiness was not. You know, and so oftentimes in us getting to the point of what something is, we have to also take a look at what it's not. And so um, James 2.19, saving faith is not. It says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the be demons believe and tremble. In other words, um, faith is not acknowledging that there is a God, because even the demons acknowledge that there is a God. Faith is much more than just the acknowledgement of it. Saving faith is, in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so faith is not only acknowledging God, that there is a God, but receiving, 
what God has for us, for saying, yes, I believe that you are God. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe Jesus came and made propitiation for my sins, that I'm a nasty, filthy, dirty dog, and that I need the blood of Christ. And in, by faith, I'm receiving that impartation into my own life, therefore can be born again. And so we, we, faith is not just believing. Most people, husbands know how, that they're supposed to love their wives, right? Most people know I shouldn't kill. Most people know I shouldn't rob or it's not right to go sell my body. But guess what? They know they shouldn't do it but still do it. The demons still know that he's God and acknowledge that. And so it's not enough. By faith, we have to receive it. We have to receive it and accept it as a free gift. So thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for these truths of the gospel that you came and you became sin for us, that we might have the righteousness of God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for choosing us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the opportunity to know you and to grow in our relationship with you. Father, I pray this week as we go out, I pray that you give us the opportunity to talk to people about the gospel, to talk to people about who you are, about who your son is, about, about what we are, about what sin is, about our fallen nature, and that we get to share the glories of the gospel of Jesus, that your light would be shining in a dark place. Father, open those doors for each one of us. Allow us, <laughs> allow us like Lester saw this morning. Oh, God, allow us to see your little ones coming and entering the kingdom, accepting the free gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord. Bless my friends as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.